Hi, welcome to this online service from Grace Point. Man, I'm excited about the coming event of regathering, as Pastor Dave mentioned earlier. I want to just clarify uh, where you can find the information. You can go to our website and then go to COVID-19 and you'll find some details on what we plan to do as we begin to try to regather and meet again at the beginning of June. Please be in prayer about that and ask God uh, to lead us and guide us in these kinds of decisions. I love the promise that Jesus makes in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I encourage you right now, grab your kids, if, if you have kids. If not, still do this. But let's say the second half of that verse out loud together. Here we go. Say it with me. You say it at home as I'd say it here. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I want to begin this message with this meditation question. Does the word full describe your walk in God? Does the word full describe your walk in God? I like the word full. I get it as a concept. I get it as an experience. Sometimes I know things from a concept standpoint much better than I know them from an experience standpoint. I I love the verse of, 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 of Psalm 18, well, it's verse 29 that says, with your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. Now, I get that concept. It's a cool concept. Have I had that experience to that degree? Probably not, but it's still a really cool concept. But when it comes to this promise of Jesus that I can have life and life to the full, I get the word full from a concept and an experience standpoint. Sometimes I get really busy in life, especially if I'm working on a car or doing something outside. I forget about time, and I'll work right through lunch. Maybe I'll work to two or three or four in the afternoon and realize I haven't eaten all lunch or maybe didn't eat a breakfast, and I'm really hungry. I don't know if you ever had that experience. And then I'll go in, and I'll just start scarfing stuff down. And my body doesn't catch up with my ability to eat, and all of a sudden I'm really, really over full. And in that experience, I've learned this relationship. Oftentimes, to experience fullness, I first have to be very, very hungry. And Jesus promised that we can have this full life given to us in John 10, 10, I think is dependent upon if we truly hunger after the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the good news. I know what it means to hunger also. How about you? Many of us have had, or will have, a child go through a a severe growth spurt, a real growth time in their life. Usually that's at 12, 13, 14 years of age. My son Nate went through that process in, in a real way. Man, that kid was hungry all the time. He could never get full. And I remember we moved to, to Williston, and Nate was just a young teenager. And a, a couple from church invited us over for a meal after church one, one Sunday. Irv and Donna, great people. And man, Donna had put a spread out on that table. It was like Thanksgiving. It was this great amount of food, just all kinds of food, lots of mashed potatoes. And I remember Nate, he sat down at that table and he was almost a man with a purpose. And he just put his head down and he began to just 
eat and eat and eat and eat. And then Donna was loving it. And she just kept saying, do you want more? And he kept saying, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And Irv's over there laughing at what's transpiring. And it's like, we never fed the kid or something. It was becoming a little bit embarrassing. But he just kept eating and eating and eating and eating. And Donna, the more he ate, the more happy she was. And the more Irv was chuckling. And finally, Nate got just really full. And I, I remember he pushes out from the table and he just kind of waddles over to their couch and he lays down on their couch and he goes, oh, I'm so full. It feels so good. And I, I, I just had to laugh because at that particular point in his life, he could never get full. I'm convinced for us to experience the full life that Jesus makes available in John 10, 10, we have to have a hunger for it. We have to hunger for it. We have to have an appetite for it. In our last couple of messages, we have seen that when people hunger after Jesus, they experience this richness and satisfaction in the soul. And when they don't, they miss it entirely. In Pastor Aaron's message a couple weeks ago, he made an interesting observation. The blind man who couldn't see was the one who saw Jesus and hungered after him spiritually. And Jesus did this marvelous work of healing in his life and saving his soul. On the other hand, the Pharisees, who physically could see and knew the law, they didn't have any hunger or appetite for Jesus Christ, and they missed him entirely. Again, we saw that last week in the message on the raising of Lazarus from the dead. When he was raised from the dead, those who saw it and experienced it and had a hunger uh, for Christ and openness to Christ, they received him as their Savior and their lives were never the same. On the other hand, you had people there that weren't evidently hungry. They went and told the Pharisees what was taking place. And the Pharisees definitely weren't hungry. And they missed entirely what Jesus Christ was doing because they had no appetite for him. They had a variable feast. They had the Son of God in their presence. They had God incarnate in their presence, but they missed him entirely because they didn't hunger after him and have an appetite for him. Jesus promises us a full life, and I think you have to be hungry to truly experience it. For the next few weeks, we're going to be in John chapter 12 through 14 in our Gospel of John series. During this time, it's right before the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and he talks on some real ways that we can have satisfied souls, have this full life experience. And I I just love the insight and, and truth that are laid out in the scriptures. So let me set the stage for you for what we're gonna look at in this particular message. It's just a few days before Christ is going to be crucified. They've just experienced the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. It was a grand thing. People were excited. They were you know, shouting Hosanna, which means save now. They were exclaiming, blessed is the king of Israel. Blessed is, is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And it appeared like the kingdom of God was coming to be at that very moment. And and Jesus had foretold that the kingdom of God would come. He was talking with his disciples 
And he, he was having a discussion on who do people think I am. And then he asked them, well, who do you think I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. And, and Jesus said, you're right, Peter. And on that rock, that rock of confession that I'm the Christ, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And it appears that this triumphal entry might be the beginning of that kind of thing happening. But then we get to what I'm going to read to you, to you today from John chapter 12. And it seems like Jesus uh, changes the subject. And you might be tempted to think, why wouldn't you run through a troop here, Jesus, and scale a wall? Why, why wouldn't, you know, you storm the gates of hell? Why wouldn't you continue to do this? Why wouldn't, you, you know, you lose some things and bind some things? Why are you talking about hating life and your own life and being a servant and all that. It seems like that's just going the wrong uh, direction. Um, So let's get into what I'm going to read today because I think what Jesus is doing here for us is giving us hunger talk. He's giving us language that if we're hungry, we're going to experience the fullness of God. So What happens here in in John chapter 12, verses 20 through 22, is kind of a way to the introduction of what I'm going to talk to you about in this message is some Greeks show up wanting to see Jesus. Let me just read this to you, beginning with verse 20, going to verse 22 of John chapter 12. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. I want to take a little bit of a commercial break with you right now. Just a little bit of a time out. Uh, you're used to watching things online, and usually we can only go 15 minutes or 10 minutes and we're done anyway. So just kind of dive out of the story with me for a moment. Let me talk to you about Philip and Andrew. These guys are connectors, man. They're connectors from the get-go. In John chapter 1, we read about how Philip or excuse me, Andrew, first of all, uh, met the Lord Jesus Christ. And then what does he do? He goes and he gets Simon Peter and says, we have found the Messiah. Come and see. Andrew is a connector. Philip, likewise, is a connector. Uh, He's a connector. He connects people to Jesus. Philip uh, finds the Lord Jesus and he goes to Nathaniel. And he says, Nathaniel, you've got to come and see who this guy is. And Nathaniel came and found Jesus. And then you get to like John chapter 6. And once again, you see Philip and Andrew, the connectors at work there. Jesus says to Philip, go buy some food to feed all these people. Now, Jesus is going to do the miracle of feeding the 5,000. But it's interesting that he talks to Philip, the connector. He says, you go find them some food. And he said, "Uh, we don't have enough money to feed all these people. Then Andrew comes on the scene. Andrew, the other connector. And he says, hey, I found a little boy. He had five, uh, five you know, loaves of bread and two small fish. He says, I don't know what that good that's going to do, but here it is. And I think Jesus is talking to these two guys because they're connectors. They're always trying to connect people to Jesus Christ. And he just used that in, in a good way. Now, again here, we read in John chapter 12 that the Greeks show up. And who do they talk to? The connectors. They talked to Philip. And they said, we want to see Jesus. Philip goes to Andrew. And then Andrew and Philip go together to connect the Greeks to Jesus. Now, interestingly enough, there isn't like a direct talking of Jesus to the Greeks. But here's what I want you to understand. 
I think that Andrew and Philip connected these guys to Christ. And if they were open and hungry, the words I'm about to read to you from John chapter 12, as it continues on, were words that would forever change these men's lives, these Greeks' lives. I want to encourage you, Grace Point, be connectors. Bring people just in the proximity of Jesus. Just do that. And man, God will do such marvelous things. Now let's go back to John chapter 12. I'm going to pick up the reading at 23, verse 23, and go through verse 33. This is just interesting scripture. And really it's a powerful teaching of Jesus which tells us how to experience fullness of life. How to experience a satisfied soul. How to get full to the point where you might have a bit of an extended belly. Listen to the scripture and I pray that you're open and that you're hungry for Jesus and that you hear these words. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled. It's kind of like a a switch in the emphasis of the scripture. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered, Others said, an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. So Jesus seems to have the whole world in the palm of his hand. And then we get to this teaching, and it just seems like there's a distinct change of tone. And he talks about you've got to die to yourself, uh, unless a kernel falls in the, into the ground and dies. It, 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 you know, it won't produce many seeds. You have to be a servant and all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, I'd rather go scale a wall. I'd rather go run through a tube, Jesus. What are you doing here? Well, what's going on is he's giving us hunger talk, like I mentioned before. And hunger leads to experiencing the full life in the Jesus Christ that we're intended to, to lead. As I meditated on these verses, I realized they're getting after some key ingredients that make your faith full, that extend your belly, spiritually speaking. So the first thing I see in these verses is this. If you want your faith to be full, this is kind of like the basics, okay? If you want your faith to be full, make it your priority to follow God's plans for your life. Make it your priority to follow God's plans for your life. That's from verse 27 on the emphasis of what Jesus said. Jesus realized people can be really fickle. 
Sure, they're calling him Hosanna today and, 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 and singing his praise, but he knew that in just a few days that same crowd would shout out, crucify him and crucify him. And so he didn't let the, the, the moment he was in distract him from the priority and plans that God had for his life. That's so important, friends. If you want to experience a full life in God, you have to be about God's priorities and plans in your life. It just has to be what dominates your action and your thinking. Jesus knew, I'm born to die. I have to die. He was like a kernel of wheat. He had to be a, 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 a seed that fell into the ground to die so that many seeds could be produced. I have some wheat here with me. I like to grind uh, wheat and make whole wheat bread. And so he's saying, I'm like this small little seed of wheat that has to just fall to the ground. You can't even see it from, from there. It has to fall to the ground and die so that it can produce many, many seeds. I've been, during this COVID-19 kind of shut down quarantine, I've been kind of focusing on my garden. I don't normally do this, but uh, I figured, why not? I have time. And so I've been planting some seeds and from some real small broccoli seeds. I have this broccoli plant. I'm going to put it in the garden here in the next couple days. I've grown this nice-looking zucchini plant. And I tell you, there's nothing like zucchini muffins or zucchini bread to make a person smile. I just love that kind of food. And then, of course, tomatoes. Uh, I planted those. And all these Plants start from this little seed that you put into the dirt and it dies and it goes through this transformation process and becomes this great plant. That's what Jesus is, is talking about here. Unless that seed goes into the soil and dies to itself, it's not satisfied with just being a seed, it can't sprout into a fruitful plant that produces much fruit in its life. And he's trying to get us to understand if you want to have a full life, if you want to be everything that God intends you to be, you have to be willing to die to yourself like a kernel of wheat would go into the ground and die, so to speak. And then God can transform you into something beautiful, something totally transformed, and you can become this fruitful plant actually giving the fruit of the, receiving the fruit of the Spirit in your own life and becoming one who then has that fruit available for other people to experience it. But if you stay a seed, if you stay just this little seed, you're very limited in your influence and impact in this world. And Jesus was willing to go into the ground, we know, and die so that many could be saved and what an impact he had. So get this, hear this point, please. To experience life, and life to the full, you need to have an overriding sense that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And let me get real practical with you and talk about how this can really, really take place. There are two aspects to it. First one is this. If you really want to experience um, this, 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 this whole full life, and you really want to experience what it means to be everything you can in God, you, you have to be willing to do two things. First of all, you have to die to yourself. Jesus knew my life's not my own. God the Father has this plan for me. I have to enter into that plan and embrace that plan and be, and be what God wants me to be in order to be this fruitful plant that bears much fruit. And man alive, am I so grateful that Jesus followed God's priorities and plans for his life because that's why you and me, friends, have life and life to the full now. Second thing, though, more than just dying to yourself, second thing that's super important is this. You have to begin to truly live for Christ. If you really want to discover what God's plan for your life is, 
Because that's, that's partly what I'm trying to answer here with these two points, A and B here, die to self and live for Christ. You know, it's easy for us to say, oh, I see God's plan for Jesus. That's obvious. He was the Messiah and, and that's all laid out. But what is God's plan for me? How do I know what God's plan for my life is? Well, it's the same formula. You have to die to yourself like Christ is willing to die to himself. And you have to be willing to live for God like Christ was willing to live for God. You and I have to be willing to live for Christ, live, live for God. And, and we, we have to begin to grapple with some of the statements that Jesus makes here in John chapter 12. Do you wonder what is meant by the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life? Does that mean I have to kind of just loathe myself and, 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 and pour contempt on myself? No. This is, a, this is a hyperbolic expression. It's an expression of exaggeration uh, to, get, to get a strong reaction out of us as readers. It's an exaggeration meant to get you to think. And what, what, what we're supposed to kind of conclude is, I am called to love God and be fully devoted to God and be radically following him so much so that I would hate my life any other way. That's what it means to live for Christ. So that means as I read the Bible, I read it entirely differently if I'm really living for Christ. So when I read something like from the epistle of James that says, I'm my brother's keeper, I go, oh, I'm my brother's keeper. Hmm. That means I'm to be concerned about other people. So if I see a brother or sister in Christ for sure uh, going wayward, I I'm going to go to them with the tooth of God and try to restore them back uh, to uh, God's kingdom. If I see a neighbor who is in need, I'm going to have concern for them and maybe bring them a bag of groceries if they have that kind of need. I'm going to be willing to be expended that way uh, for the cause of Christ. It may be inconvenient. It, it may... Um, be uncomfortable, but if you want the full life, friend, if you want to experience what you're meant to experience, this fruitfulness, then you're going to be willing to live that way for the Lord Jesus Christ. I find it fascinating right now that there are commercials that are being aired uh, in the public arena on TV uh, because of COVID-19 encouraging us to be concerned for one another. If you're young and you're strong, they're saying, please be concerned for others who maybe if they you know, contract COVID-19, might die from it. So be concerned about them, do social distancing, wash your hands and all that kind of thing. Well, listen, Christ follower, this should be our language, amen? This should be who we are naturally. We should have a concern and a genuine love uh, for others uh, because we're not just reading God's word, we're living for Christ. That is how we experience the full life. So with this basics down, now let's return back to John chapter 12. We're going to look at the first set of verses because they go a little deeper into how we can experience this full life in Christ. Here's point number two. You are called to embrace a revolutionary lifestyle in Jesus and just give up on religiosity. We're supposed to experience this radical life-altering change that's part of following Jesus. And if we do that, we enter into the realm of experiencing soul satisfaction and fullness uh, of life. I want to talk on religiosity with you for a few moments, first of all, here. This is trying to look good. It's a facade kind of approach to life. It's what Jesus constantly got on the Pharisees about. He called them whitewashed sepulchers because they were about looking good to those around them, but on the inside, they were a rotting corpse, so uh, to speak. Jesus um, 
always, always, always spoke so strongly against religiosity. Religiosity is our reliance on, I do some things, and that makes me okay with God. It's a comparative kind of approach uh, to faith. I, I just have to do better than you, uh, and then I'll be okay with God. It's kind of like the two guys that were being chased by the bear, right? And the one looks at the other and says, I don't think we can outrun them. And he says, I'm not trying to outrun the bear. I'm just trying to outrun you so the bear gets you. And we begin to think that's our Christianity. That's our faith. If I just do better than others, then surely God will accept me. See, that's wrong thinking. Religiosity is comparing yourself to others, thinking you're okay by outperforming others. Usually you vastly overrate how good you are and deceive yourself. Romans 3.23 talks about the fact that we just can't be okay with God by self-effort. It just says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do this with your kids at home. I want to encourage you to do this with your kids at home um, to try to get them to understand the, 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 the fallacy of comparison and religiosity. Just, just do this at home. This will be really fun. Get some tape and mark off some spots on your floor. Do two, do two marks. Do one here and then try to go across the living room or go out in your driveway or something like that. But make those marks, make those marks about 30 feet apart if you can. And tell your kids, pretend this is like one cliff and that's another cliff and between you is like the Grand Canyon kind of thing. It's so far down. If I can't jump from here to there, uh, I die as I go down into the abyss of the canyon. Now, this will make sense in a moment. Just hang in there with me. So then have them jump. You know, see how far they can jump. Make a big game out of it and hoot and holler. And I, they'll, they'll right away, if they're like any kids I know, right away, especially if they're brothers and sisters, there'll be some competitive juices that'll kick in and one will say, I went a foot farther than you. I went two feet farther than you. And then if you really want to have some fun and have some danger, you can have them run and jump. And make sure you make it 30 feet apart because you know what? The longest long jump in Olympic history is 29 feet and some inches. So if you make it 30 feet, you're pretty much guaranteeing they can't make it. Now, they won't know that, but you'll know that. And just have some fun. This could be something you do as part of homeschooling. It could be a gym class with a lesson. And then, then but, but say to the kids, the goal, kids, isn't to see if you can jump farther than one another. The goal is you have to get to this other side or you die. And then talk to them about this idea that oftentimes we compare ourselves one to another and think if I'm just doing better than this person then I'm okay with God but that's religiosity at its core at its basics I'm comparing but we're both jumping here and we're both going down we're not making it to the other side because we can't do it on our own that's the point of this exercise so your kids can get some exercise and they can learn a valuable lesson Two, when we compare ourselves one to another, the result is not good. It's not edifying. I wonder what God would think. He'd say, well, there that goes, that one, that one. They did pretty good. They went 12 feet, but they went 200 feet down. Oh, look at that one, 13 feet, but they still went 200 feet down. It's an impossible thing to reach God by our own efforts. That's religiosity at its core. And Christianity isn't about comparing ourselves one to another and performing so that we're being accepted by God. Christianity is more like a revolution in its, in its makeup. Once you become God's son or daughter by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, um, you are enlisted in the revolution. And the revolution's about radical, radical 
life change, radical altering of the adherent to it. Now, I know in our day and age, um, revolutions have kind of a bad uh, context to them sometimes because we see people in the middle of these revolutions trying to forcibly uh, get others to believe what they uh, believe. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you're voluntarily entering into uh, a kind of a revolutionary thinking when it comes to your Christianity. Um, This means I am radically conforming to the will of God and letting every decision I, I make be you know, affected by my loyalty and my devotion to my leader and my commander-in-chief, so to speak, Jesus Christ. A revolutionary is just totally devoted uh, to the cause. Jesus, as he shares in John chapter 12, he uses this terminology, die to yourself, just live for God, hate your life, meaning be devoted to God above all other things, be a servant, follow me. That's revolutionary kind of language. And if we will embrace this kind of a faith, I'm guaranteeing you, you will have a fullness of life that you will never, ever, ever experience any other way. I want to bring us to our conclusion in this message. I started out talking with you about hunger. And I want to end with talking to you about hunger. I've heard some talk recently about well, we're in the end times and, and some are saying because the United States is going through some of this COVID-19 and economic issues that we might be in the end time. But listen, beloved, since the church's birth, Christians have been martyred and suffered and died for the cause of Christ. That's happening right now. Just because we're going through some suffering now in the United States doesn't mean that's necessarily ushering in the end times. That's a little bit self-centered. It could be because the world's in this overall kind of COVID-19 thing that, yeah, we're getting close to the end times. But I think if that's what we begin to do and think about or begin to be preoccupied with, we're going to miss entirely what God maybe wants us to experience. And that is, he wants these things that we're going through. They really are hard. They really are economic hardships. There really are uh, some suffering things going on and some people dying. That's tough stuff. I mean, it's really tough stuff. So I don't want to minimize that at all. But what I think God wants to produce in you and I is a hunger for him. A hunger in the church. A a, a new awakening in the church. A new revival in the church. To sweep over the church. This this longing to be with God. This longing for God to move in our midst. And and I I pray that that hunger invades the church. And I pray that hunger invades our nation. And I pray that hunger invades the world. Because I think if that's the outcome of what we're going through, then then that's going to drive us to this life in Jesus and life to the full. So I want to end by asking you this question. Or asking, or, or, or asking you to make this request, I should say. Ask Jesus to create in you a hunger for life in him and life to the full. And then I think everything we're going through will be used in a way that brings glory to God. As usual, if you want to continue to uh, have some discussion on some of the stuff that I've discussed with you in this message, go to our, our, our webpage, go to the media section and find today's note guide and you'll find some great discussion questions to use for discipling with your family or with friends or, or whatever format you decide to use it in. Uh, at this moment, I pray that, or I ask that you bow your head for just a moment of prayer. Lord God, I want to thank you for this teaching of Jesus in John chapter 12. It's so powerful. 
so life-altering, so full of insight. I pray, Lord Jesus, first of all, that you would indeed create in each one who's been watching this message uh, a hunger for you, Lord, a deep hunger. I really do believe with all my heart that that's the beginning then of experiencing life to the full. And then, Lord, what I want to pray is, as, even as we pray for this hunger, that we'd also pray that you would just create in us then some key ingredients that we would be people who are about God's priorities and plans, that we would, that would just drive us, that we would die to self and that we would live for Christ, that, that these things would begin to characterize us because I think these are ingredients, Lord, coupled with the hunger that lead to full life in you, Jesus. And then, Lord, I, I just, I can't help, but, but when I read the scripture that I read, uh, in this message to note that you're really calling us to this radical life, this, this revolutionary life kind of embracing of you, Jesus, as our leader, as the one we're devoted to wholeheartedly, Lord. Uh, and, and, and we're so devoted to you that it's like we hate ourselves in comparison to how much we love you and, and are following after you. So I pray that we would just em- embrace these kind of ingredients, Lord. And I'm convinced as we do so, we're going to experience that belly full satisfaction of the soul in you, Jesus. And that's what I want for everybody watching, that they would just have life and life to the full. May it be so, Jesus, in your name and by your blood. Amen. I want to encourage you to stay tuned and just enter into the song that we're about to sing with Pastor Jaina and just let it flood your soul and let it be just like this moment of real connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. I love you. Pray you have a great week.